0: Hello oh, and welcome back to the Futurism at JG podcast. My name is Nicholas, I'm your host, and today I'm joined by Ju Young. So Ju Young, could you introduce who you are?
1: Um, hi everyone, my name is Ju Young, you can call me Eric. Um, I'm a freshman majoring in computer science on the pre-med track at Hopkins.
0: So that's a pretty unique combo, uh, Eric. Uh, I don't think, I've met a lot of pre-meds, obviously Hopkins is very pre-med heavy, yeah. probably like 50% of students are pre-med. Yeah. Um, I myself came in actually as pre-med um, and I've since kind of transitioned to more research path um, because I just enjoy research more mm-hmm. um, and I think it's where I can have a bigger societal impact. Um, but yeah, I'd love to hear how how you became interested in both uh, computer science and pre-med because that's a very cool combo.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, so at first I was AMS major when I came in here, but then I switched to CS because I'm mostly um, interested in the intersection of like AI, machine learning, and healthcare. So basically like wearable devices, like using big data to solve um, and like provide better diagnosis, like that kind of stuff. So, And also I'm also inter- interested in entrepreneurship as well. So, and startups. So I thought um, having these those CS skills will help me
0: a lot in my career.
1: So I'm doing both
0: right now. That might be the most Marketable combination of skills <laughs> yeah. I've never heard computer science, medicine, and entrepreneurship. I mean, that's that's incredible, man. Yeah. Um, are you thinking about an EM minor? Yeah, entrepreneurship Management? No, okay, I'm, yeah. yeah, I'm doing that minor. Um, Ricardo's doing it too. Oh, really? Nice. Um, really cool minor. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like you know, for all of you listening out there, I highly recommend the CLE who actually sponsors this podcast, oh, wow. um, the Center for Leadership Education. Um, they have an incredible program, they're kind of like a hidden gem of Hopkins. Um, they have all these really cool minors, entrepreneurship management, accounting, leadership, marketing, um, so some really, really cool, like practical classes. Um, and for all the minors, you have to take uh, business, accounting, and then either writing or public speaking, that's called professional writing and communication or oral presentations. Um, so I did oral presentations, which was awesome. I uh, had Professor Smith, who was a great professor. Um, and so yeah I mean the professors in the department are fantastic I mean these are like you know the big leaders in their fields they have lots of connections Um, my professors have been extremely helpful in you know like my job search and like thinking about careers um, connecting me with the right people even like getting this club uh, podcast up and going Um, so yeah for you you people out there like really you should really consider uh, doing one of the minors I think E&M might be my favorite one um because of the flexibility and all the different courses you can take currently taking managerial finance um with professor priolo a really cool class you learn all about excel financial analysis uh stuff like that um so yeah <laughs> if you have any questions about the minor you included eric um,
1: um happy to answer um well I'm, I'm thinking of doing minor and also um, computer integrated surgery which is like Oh like, my gosh. That a, that exists? Yeah, it's a minor. Whoa. Yeah, it's like that is cool. Using like computer vision, like medical data
0: analysis, image analysis. That's really interesting. Like that's like what I'm really interested in. You know the the kind of like what is it called? The um the machine that like did surgery on a car. Uh, da Vinci machine? The DaVinci yeah, machine. Yeah. Here. Uh, yeah. yeah. Is have you like seen that and like it's like Hackerman Hall, I think? Oh no or something? No, you I haven't seen that? There. Is that like kind of what you kind of like stuff like that
1: is what yeah. you're interested
0: yeah. in? Okay. Yeah. And I know, I know you mentioned, um, diagnostics, which is also something I'm really, uh, passionate about because I feel like, you know, there's like the saying, which is also why I'm interested in research. Um, but there's a saying, you know, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. And I think that's really true because if it can prevent, you know, a disease or, you know, situation from happening in the first place, Mm -hmm. that's a million times better than trying to treat it, um, And, you know, obviously for the healthcare system and for biotech companies and pharma companies, it's not profitable, right? Like if people aren't getting sick, that puts them out of business, right? So they actually have a vested interest in, which is kind of sad, but they do have a vested interest in people being sick and wanting to buy their, you know, services and and drugs and stuff like that. Um, So that's, you know, that is conflicting because, you know, I am thinking about going into biotech, but I also have that in the back of my mind, like, You know we are a capitalist capitalist society and like you know these companies are trying to make a you know bank for their buck um and you know it's really interesting research that they're doing but they're also trying to make a lot of money off consumers and ripping them off um so yeah but you know research for me um which is why i kind of shifted over to the research and not medicine as much Is like medicine you know maybe if you're like a family doctor or something you can see maybe you know a few i don't know a few hundred families or a few hundred people you know in like a year but if you're in research you could find a drug that could potentially save yeah. millions of people mm-hmm. so i kind of look at it like that where it's the more intimate you're more like you know you're having like closer relations with your patient and like you see that impact directly and you're obviously giving more personalized care but then with research even though maybe it's more of a long shot you have that much bigger potential to like impact the world Plus you're also moving medicine forward, right? Because medicine uses a lot of, you know, what research um, kind of brings forth. Um, so yeah, have you like thought about that at all? Like the, would you ever want to think about research? I know as, as pre-med, you probably will have to do some research. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you're thinking about that yet. Um, yeah, definitely. But yeah, have you thought about that, like research versus pre-med? Research, but
1: that also aligns with why I'm doing computer science as well, because um, you said research, but like developing a software that can help like diagnose, um, like lung cancer for example, with AI that can help like millions of people. Instead of, well, I'm if I become a physician, I can help maybe like total about like like ten thousand people until I die. But then, if I develop a software, that's like a much bigger impact. So, I think that also aligns with um, my interest.
0: So I'm I'm very curious. Um, what classes are you taking this oh, right semester? No, yeah. Oh, right now I'm taking. Well, I don't have that
1: much experience in computer science yet. Okay. So I'm taking like intro courses. So. Yeah. Gateway Java. Yeah. Um. Um. Intro Chem Physics. Physics one.
0: Oh, your physics one too? Yeah. Oh, but probably for engineering. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I'm taking for bio. So. Oh
1: yeah, I heard that was hard. Yeah. Yeah. It's
0: hard. I mean, I think it's about as hard as engineering. Mm-hmm. Actually, engineering might be a little bit harder than bio from what i've heard yeah that's um, what i heard but i think it's simply how are you finding physics so far um i did good on the first one term I, I did bad on this oh I same so i have to do same. well on the third one no that's literally me yeah literally me but degrees came out yesterday right uh i think we're maybe oh, slightly oh, ahead of oh, yeah, you yeah. maybe right. uh ours came out like a week ago oh. i think um but i think we're covering roughly the same mm-hmm. roughly the same yeah. material um But yeah physics is one of those things because i'm more you know neuroscience i'm more interested in biology Mm -hmm. um and kind of looking at courses for next semester um because uh, oh neuroscience is also one of those um majors that has some really cool interesting classes like Mm -hmm. i've taken neuroeconomics um with dr tragusur that was a really interesting class look kind of looks at decision making how we kind of make well It's kind of a mix of how we make economic decisions, but then also showing that humans aren't as rational. You know, there's a huge emotional component to the decisions we make. Um, So that was really interesting. Took a neuroanatomy course, Functional Human Neuroanatomy Mm -hmm. with Professor Courtney. Great class as well. Currently taking Diseases and Disorders of the Nervous System uh, with Dr. Smith and Dr. Baraban. Also a fantastic class. And then next semester I have like three or four different classes. There's like a class on aging, a class on drug discovery, Um, class on learning and memory Uh, it's like so many interesting classes um in neuroscience and obviously maybe it's they're kind of only open to neuro majors because you have that prereqs and stuff but um yeah it's been really cool to like get that that um, more like research and neuroscience um centered uh course schedule but also have a course schedule that has a lot of the entrepreneurship and management stuff Mm -hmm. um so yeah i think I think that's where the future is really, is like being able to be interdisciplinary, right? Like mm-hmm. you are going to be very interdisciplinary, which is awesome. Um, and so I think like combining different fields and not just specializing in one thing, but kind of being an ace of multiple different things um, is super valuable and super marketable um, and more helpful to our society too, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, I think Hopkins like yeah. really focused
1: on like interdisciplinary fields as well. Like I was able to like see so many people who are doing research in both fields, like for example, CS and AI, or like neuroscience and
0: CS, like that kind of stuff. So, yeah. So I'm very curious. Um, I think we should go down the diagnostics route because uh-huh. I think we're both interested in that. Um, have you been like following or keeping up with any like recent developments in in diagnostics, like anything recent that's been interesting? Diagnostics, like what what kind of diagnosis? Um. I don't know, I, I have a family friend who works at a company that does, like, cancer diagnostics. Mm-hmm. Like, are you, is that something you're interested in at all, like, looking at, um, I don't know, like, blood samples and stuff and trying to do, like, early detection for cancer? Is that something well related? Yeah, I know, well, um, I read a book called, like,
1: the, it's called, like, The Future of Medicine, like, digital, digital Healthcare. So basically, like, there's this one company that has, that reads, mammography and like lung cancer cancer images and then they can figure out and early detect um lung cancer with a very high precision rate so i was i was really interested in how they can um use the medical images to um
0: actually provide and assist doctors when they diagnose
1: i think that's a really interesting
0: thing right because i feel like there's a lot of human error in medicine Mm -hmm, and i feel like ai can fill those gaps that humans just Out miss because we're human right whereas ai is going to have a much less room for error Mm. if you like properly train it um i didn't i didn't know about the blood sample sample yeah i I don't know exactly how it works Mm. um but they are using like blood samples um to kind of detect for early signs of cancer like i'm sure there's like kind of like chemical markers and stuff that kind of point towards um cancer or not um but yeah, i think like with things like cancer it's so critical like the early detection right, right. because the earlier you catch it the better off you are or the, the higher chance of survival um like just in this you know pandemic i've had like several family members pass away and family friends pass away from cancer and it's like a really really or it's becoming a lot more common um, and it's really really uh, you know harmful um, or not not harmful but it hurts families and it hurts um, our society a lot. So I think, you know, early detection, being able to diagnose it earlier um, is gonna be a lot more fruitful than trying to treat it, you know, once it's already progressed, um, yeah. stage three, stage four. I mean, at that point, it's, it's kind of a, you're fighting a losing battle. Um, so, yeah, I think, I've said it like three times, but diagnosis and, and early detection is so critical um i remember watching a video on bill gates or by bill gates um he was basically proposing this kind of like you know how you do like COVID tests and stuff um he was proposing this kind of universal testing where you would take like a test i think i don't remember if it's like every week or every month um but you basically do a test and then scientists can like Test your saliva or blood or whatever. Maybe you give multiple samples. They test it for like everything. Essentially, they test for cancer. They test for COVID. They test for flu. They test for all sorts of diseases and stuff. Um, And like that is kind of interesting to me. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you could if you could see that being a thing where it's just like, oh, you just you know once a month or I don't know every couple months you just like go in and get like tested for everything, Mm -hmm. Um, or maybe even using like genetic markers, uh, looking at like. Well, I guess that wouldn't be every month, but also using genetics to look at maybe predispositions. Um, and like based on that, then tracking more closely, like, oh, you have a higher disposition for, I don't know, breast cancer or something, mm-hmm. right? Or you have a family history of breast cancer. Then we'll more closely track that. Um, so that would be interesting to have like very personalized uh, tracking and like more frequent tracking, especially for cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. What do you think about um, Bill Gates' idea? Well, Bill Gates, <laughs> I think I never heard of it. I think it's a good idea, but like,
1: to, like in reality, it's like pretty hard to actually collect data, like actual data, like saliva, blood from all people, like all people around the world, in one place, and then that like analysis, provide an analysis. So I think like really similar to that is um, there's technologies being developed using IoT, like Internet of Things. So like sensors, like for example, um, they will put sensors in your toil on your toilet and then they will like uh, um like analyze your samples, like your joint samples and um that kind of stuff, or like on your bed basically to track your sleep, monitor your sleep. And also not only that, but um Apple watches, Apple Watches and Fitbit, that's also a big thing. And they will provide they can provide like daily checks of your um, of your health basically. And If that can be um, expanded to more areas, not only on like blood rate, heart rate right now, but it can be expanded to more, um, a lot more diseases that can be detected earlier, maybe cancer.
0: Yeah, I used to have a, well, I still have it, but I haven't been wearing it, um, Fitbit. Mm -hmm. Absolutely love it. I think it's so cool that you can like measure, obviously heart rate, pretty common, um, but you can also measure like oxygen saturation at night and like your sleep levels and how much REM sleep and how much deep sleep you had. Um, I think that's really cool. There's also this um, ring. It's called the Aura Ring. Yeah. I think they had like a whole thing where they got like all the NBA players Aura Rings. I think to like track their uh, stats and vitals and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think stuff like that. Like the smaller and smaller it gets, the more portable it is, the better. Yeah. Um, and it'd be really interesting. Like I remember there was this really cool thing um, that I'd seen somewhere that was like you tattoo on like a basically like get like a tattoo of like a tech it's like an adhesive kind of it's like putting a band-aid on yourself but it's like it's able to like measure like vitals and stuff and because it's so like close to your skin it can get more data Um, so i thought that was really interesting like maybe having surface level or even like maybe slightly under surface i don't know how invasive people are willing to get i don't know if i'd be willing to do that but um that could be interesting um if we can create tech that's, you know, able to provide even more data, mm-hmm. um, if possible.
1: Yeah, I definitely think that wearable devices is like the, um, very most powerful devices to provide early diagnosis. Like for example, for like, um, like people who wear glasses, like they can have sensors on here, or I, I know like there are some wearable devices on belts as well. Um, and also, um, in their socks. The outside of their socks or below their feet, on their like, on their shoes, and but I'm like what I'm worried about is like um like the future of wear devices is really bright, but I don't think not many people use it that much because it is a little bit it is well, number one expensive and uh, number two you have to charge it. So like for example, Fitbit I used to have it as well, but then I always forget to charge it, but then. Yeah, I, I have no like difficulties living my life without it, but, so that's why probably like Apple Watch is the most like, um, like successful wearable device I think out there. But the Apple Watch you still have to charge, right? Yeah. Just better battery. Yes, but oh, okay. it provides us a lot more things, it, like
0: outside of. Oh, I see. Like, for example, like it's this actual Spark? you yeah. yeah. can get messages and take uh-huh. calls and stuff. Yeah. I think that's mm-hmm. yeah, that's really cool. So I think like for. Uh, wearable device
1: wear, wearable device to be actually successful it should be that it should provide more than just tracking your health it should be like um, provide maybe oh you, you're like low on like sugar levels take something like maybe like advise you mm. something like it'll be more beyond that than just oh your sleep was good yesterday or or your heart rate is normal like not people really ben-
0: benefit from that right in their daily lives almost like live coaching like having a doctor Mm, in your pocket almost like telling you like the best thing Mm -hmm. to do that's really interesting um when you mentioned the glasses that totally reminded me of google glass Mm -hmm. which is like i don't know whatever happened to google glass to be honest um same thing with like google vr like really cool ideas but i guess the execution just didn't work out um but it reminded me of like vr and ar and like those technology like we've had we've had episodes on vr and ar We've talked about it before, um, but I feel like those have huge applications in medicine yeah. too. Um, like, could you see? I remember reading an article about how they were trying to train medical students to, you know, like in med school you have to like cut open a cadaver. I guess mm-hmm. um, they're training medical students instead of using an actual cadaver, using like a three D, like doing it in, like VR, or AR, and like dissecting it through there. Um, is that something that you could see, kind of, or maybe even other applications of that in medicine? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I I think I saw
1: something on YouTube as like a simulator for surgery. So so like medical students or doctors can actually practice surgery using their three D like VR AR machines. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. and that and also I I re- recently uh, saw there's a startup. Founded by JSU, a JSU student called Quest to Learn. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's like a VR AR that can do lab techniques, like do chem labs. Oh yes. Yeah, was so cool. Yes. And yes. I think it is really applicable and it's really useful.
0: Yeah, it's with yeah. um, uh, China. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he he also has a podcast called Hopkins Hacks. Um, oh. We're doing a collab with them actually. Oh really? Yeah. Yes, cool. So he's he's like a really cool. Um, person like he's doing a lot of cool stuff Mm -hmm. um which is awesome um but yeah like quest to learn thing is really cool because like i i took bio lab and chem lab online and like i was literally a chem lab ta last semester (laughs) if any of my chem lab students are watching this like you you know like i struggled because it's 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 so different right doing the lab online versus doing it in person i was the only chem lab ta i was also the only underclassman chem lab ta um, like there was no one else in my grade or below. Mm-hmm. It was like all juniors, seniors, graduate students. So like I also had this, that disadvantage, but it's so different. And like, you just don't get like the physical sense of like being in a lab, yes. being able to, you know, do this procedure or like measure that, like actually using your hands, like maybe you see it on a video, but it's so much different actually doing it yourself. So I think things like Quest to Learn and using like AR and VR, Like if i'd been able to use like quest to learn or something or like do an ar and at least have somewhat of a physical or like visual immersion into the lab i think that would have prepared me a lot better Mm -hmm. to be a chem lab ta i was essentially learning chem lab from scratch in a sense because it was my first time actually in the lab It was my first time actually seeing the experiments and so i kind of struggled along with the students and i did my best but like it's so different um and i think tools like quest to learn could be really, really valuable. Same thing for Biolab, right? Like, I think when I took it in, Biolab one was f- fully virtual. In the spring, um, you had the choice to be, I think we had the choice either to go on campus or stay home, I decided to stay home. Um, but we had like, two of us were virtual <laughs> in my group, and one was in person. So the in-person person was, or the, yeah, the in-person um, uh, group member was doing all this stuff in person and then we we're just kind of watching them and like supporting with like mm-hmm. online data analysis and writing out everything while they were kind of our hand in the lab. Um, but it would have been really interesting if you could have some kind of AR component. Maybe this is looking really in the future, but what if you could like VR yourself into a physical space? So like, let's say, you know, you're in like Europe or something and then another person is in, um, I don't know, uh, Mer- or, you know Baltimore, whatever. And then you can have like the person in Europe kind of like zoom in essentially, not zoom in, but like enter the room in like VR. It's mm-hmm. so, like almost like a maybe I'm getting into like holograms. Like what if you can have like a hologram there where like you're there in person and like the other person's there physically and they can see you, you can see them and then you can actually like see what's both see what's going on. I think that could be uh, really interesting. Oh, yeah, that's really kind awesome. of like. Star Wars-esque, you know, with like the holograms, but then like actually having it be like a physical, physically immersive experience. And maybe even, now I'm just going on a tangent, sorry. But um, what if you could even, like let's say right now I'm a hologram, right? You're you're the person in person mm-hmm. and I'm the hologram. Like what if we can make it so immersive that I look 100% real to you and you look 100% well, you are real. And then like we have like haptic feedback and everything. So it's like a fully, it feels real. So like I'm a hologram and I touch this and I'm like, Oh, I can actually feel it. Like, what if we could simulate the physics and like actual like physical touch of everything? Mm -hmm. Like I'm a hologram right now and I'm actually feeling this table. And like everything you're seeing, it looks like I'm actually touching the table and everything and like obeying, like the hologram doesn't let me pass through this table. Like it actually like stops me. Mm -hmm. Um, that would be really interesting. Like simulating a hundred percent, like to a T, The physics of the real world, and like being able to, maybe that's getting into like the metaverse too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's definitely. That was a whole tangent. Well, like (laughs) that—that is possible. Then, like we don't even need Zoom anymore. I mean, it'd be it'd be way better than Zoom. Yeah. Right. It's like you could literally be sitting in class from—I don't Mm know—England, sitting in class at Hopkins in England, and like you're there in the classroom and you're seeing what's on the board. And like you're sitting next to your classmate and you can actually like have like side conversations with them
1: you'll need like to travel like go on the plane and travel for a business trip yeah you'll just, you can just like yeah go on that platform I think Facebook is trying to do that right now Meta. are they yeah. yeah with horizons huh yeah. how's how that gonna work like what's their um, plan they haven't revealed a lot with uh, do you know their AR VR device is called I think I know Quest. Yeah, their Quest. VR. Yeah. yeah, Quest. I was just testing it out
0: the other day, actually. it's pretty cool. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh,
1: well. Well, yeah. yeah. I think they're still working on it more. Yeah. And then, yeah, but
0: it's like, like 20, what, 10 to 20 years ahead like, in the yeah. future. I think. I think kind of taking it back to medicine, because I know you're mentioning surgery. Mm-hmm. I think that could also be a really interesting thing. Like, let's say someone has to have like a life-saving brain surgery, for example, and they want, you know, this, this, um family like wants the best neurosurgeon possible but the best neurosurgeon is in i don't know India or like Brazil or something and they're like in Spain right what if you could have like a robotic arm like the da vinci machine or something but it's controlled in vr or like kind of virtually obviously that gets into the issue of like you need to have a really strong connection and like make mm-hmm. sure you don't lose a connection or like that could go south really quick but what if you could have this neurosurgeon from Brazil like zoom in to Spain and like be able to like physically do the surgery, but virtually mm-hmm. like that could be really interesting yeah. because that way you're essentially bringing in, you know, doc the best doctors from around the world without them having actually having mm-hmm. to travel. So you're bringing the best care to uh, patients. I think that could be a really interesting thing. I know that's something you said yeah. they're already testing that, right? Like seeing if you could do surgery not only virtually, But seeing if you could like actually control a machine virtually, I think they already have the technology to like connect doctors like abroad
1: while they're doing surgery. Yeah. But the doctor abroad can't control it yet. I think. Oh. So we're getting into maybe advise them or just like supervise it, maybe. But I don't think they have the technology right now to actually um,
0: control it abroad, like using VR and AR. I feel like we can make that happen yeah like true. being able to control it oh. partially like I feel like that seems like a reasonable yeah thing that we'd be able to do
1: that's why I'm also trying to do the computer it's, it's, it's the yeah thing. No, that's like, so oh, cool yeah. that's so cool yeah also like also more in the VR and medicine I think um you know like the Korean War and Vietnam War yeah and people yeah. like suffer from PTSD. yeah um I know there's a there's a VR software called um, Vietnam virtual Vietnam mm. so it's basically you put you try to cure PTSD and uh, Vietnam veterans war veterans and you put them in the VR um, situation where they will be exposed to v- the actual combat like um, simulations of Vietnam so like actually I heard PTSD can be cured from like repeated exposure to that actual events interesting so by repeatedly putting them in this situation, they can actually be cured. So that's in the realm of digital therapeutics, but it's a really, um, relatively really new field that, can, that has to be more researched. So like there are some research papers that support that oh, there's actually clinical evidence that the PTSD has been cured, but some research papers don't support it. So like if someone actually makes, like for example, virtual Vietnam or virtual Korea, it will be pretty hard to actually get FDA approval, to actually put it out in the market. So I think that's a big hurdle, like the FDI, FDA regulations and actually, since it is this medicine and it's, it's dealing with people's lives and health, it's, it's pretty hard, it's pretty conservative to actually get um, past that hurdle of regulations. Yeah, so, and also insurance because not many people, not many insurance companies will include that in um, their insurance. So I think that's a good hurdle,
0: big hurdle. Yeah. yeah. That also reminded me of just like digital therapeutics in general. I feel like there's been a huge uptake and like one thing that comes to mind is like BetterHelp. I don't know if you've heard of that. No. It's like a, basically you can, well, I haven't I haven't tried BetterHelp, so I don't know exactly how it works, but from what I, from what I understand is like you can, basically sign up, I think it's like an app, or I think you can probably do it online too. You basically sign up to do like online therapy essentially. So I think you can like zoom in essentially with like therapists, um, or you can like text with them, like whatever you're comfortable with essentially. Um, So I feel like that's another interesting Mm -hmm. kind of field, um, is like digital therapy, like kind of moving from, I, I can't tell if like the world wants to be moving in a more virtual direction or if we want to shift back to more in-person like I feel like there's a huge we're kind of in this weird transition period where we're kind of coming out of a pandemic at least in the U.S. where we're kind of coming out of a pandemic a little bit but then it's also like people can't decide if they like in-person or virtual better um like even I'm like I, I still can't decide if I like in-person or virtual better because they both have their pros and cons. Like mm-hmm. virtual is so convenient. But then in person, it's like, I just learned better in person. Right. And like being able to have you know one-on-one conversations. Mm-hmm. But then I also am like, it was so nice to be you know at home with my family, like being able to Zoom and like go play outside, mm-hmm. hang out with my family. Um, so it's just, it's really interesting. Like I'm just thinking about like where the world is, is gonna head. Um, Cause I think we're really at this crossroads right now where maybe, maybe we want to go hybrid. Like even like work where it's like, do we want people to be in the office or can they do the work just as well from home? Um, and there's a whole issue around like privacy, like employers trying to like track their employees, you know, when they're not in, in the office and like um, productivity issues, like maybe they're less productive at home or they're more productive at home. Um, I think there's still some research to be done. Um, but it'll be really interesting to see like are we going to try to move fully virtual? Are we going to try to move fully back in person? Are we going to try to do like a hybrid, kind of mix the two? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the pandemic has kind of accelerated things yeah, that would not have happened for at least another few mm-hmm. years. Because um, like, so, for
1: better or worse, before the pandemic, like companies would have thought, oh, if we have like people work from home, then productivity will drastically decrease. Yeah. But after they tried it, because of COVID. realize oh it's not that bad and employers really like it yeah so they i think it's going to be more hybrid like moving toward hybrid in the future because people like for example if we plan like events at hopkins if someone plans if it's on zoom there's like so many more um participants than in person yeah but in-person events can like be more engaging like can be more can be more of a learning experience yeah so i think people both want like both components so i think
0: hybrid is more of a like a future than that i think so Yeah, yeah i think so too i think it also depends on like where the tech goes like with Quest, like with meta um and all these vr headsets if we can make it it's really an adoption thing where like if we can make the tech i'm thinking of like i don't know if you've watched ready player one the movie yeah, I watched yeah it's like one of my favorite movies I've referenced it so much um, it's also like very similar to the book uh, Otherworld I mean Ready Player One's also a book mm-hmm. but Otherworld um, both very similar premises where you're basically able to like simulate reality like you your body is like 100% convinced mm-hmm. that you're in the real world when you're actually in a virtual world um, so if we can get technology to that point I'm really curious to see if people will be like oh yeah, screw reality, like I can do whatever I want in a virtual world and it feels 100% real to me. Like I'm fully immersed, I can smell, I can taste, I can hear. Um, so I'm really, I'm really curious to see like if we can get technology to that point where you can no longer distinguish VR from reality. I mean, just purely visually, like I was watching this video of like a video game versus like reality. And I was like, wow, that's like very hard to distinguish. Mm-hmm. So like we're, we're getting there at least visually, but it will be a matter of like doing the haptic stuff, like having the touch and like the smell. Smells, that's gonna be hard to do. Yeah. I don't know how you're gonna simulate smell. Um, so that'll be something, yeah. that'll be a big challenge for VR. Um, so I'm, I'm really interested to see where that goes. Um, but there's such huge applications for, for VR, for AR, you know, in medicine and beyond um, and also AI, right? AI is a huge yeah. huge potential um, machine learning as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm really happy you're doing the the combo. That's really, really yeah. cool. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, I also um, know like an app, it's a phone app, but like on like for example I, iPhone, you can know if you're depressed or not. But like if it's an app and you have to download it on your app, and then it will just basically track your like touches, how many you stare at the screen, how long you stare at the screen, how many touches you do it, and then they will like analyze you. And then they will feel like they will know if you're like depressed. And then have signs of actual depression, like falling into depression. So it's like a really new field, but um it has to be more research, definitely. But mm. like in that kind of it's really cool, but I don't think people will actually want that. Because like it's less privacy issue. that's a huge yeah it's a huge people privacy wants, issue. people won't like for their all of all, all their things trapped. yeah so that's a big hurdle for
0: that that's well. that's a whole other yeah. thing is like the privacy issue with all these technologies it's like mm-hmm. you're giving up more and more and more of your privacy um potentially for a greater good like if you could detect depression or stuff like that um that could be really interesting mm-hmm. i'd never heard of that that's yeah. I'm actually now a little skeptical of that because how would you tell if someone is depressed from like screen time? Not like screen time, but like how
1: like their touches on the screen, and maybe uh-huh. like for example, if you go on maybe Instagram, uh-huh. if you're not depressed, you'll do you you will usually do something, but if you're d- more depressed, you'll maybe touch on one something oh. first and then go into like, like DMs first or. Huh. Maybe. Yeah.
0: I don't, I do not know it's a technology beyond it, but I know it exists. Yeah. And they've like proven this, they've shown like this corresponds, this correlates with like levels of depression. Yeah. That's the
1: hurdle they have to pass because
0: there are some research supporting it, but uh-huh. there are some research that it has nothing to do with it. So. Okay. So yeah. it's still, it's still kind of a budding thing. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm curious to see where that goes. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really interesting. Have you, have you tried the, no, I, is it I like an actual to. app you can download right now? I think so. Okay. Yeah interesting yeah that that's another whole other thing is like being able to detect detect things like depression anxiety mm-hmm. adhd um there may be kind of unconventional methods like that's a very unconventional method oh also talking wow. about adhd mm-hmm. i know
1: some digital therapeutics that use games to cure adhd oh so like basically it's like a car racing game uh-huh. but it will have like certain features that will cure adhd like, for children, or like, for patients. So, interesting. Like, that's not the only cure to ADHD, uh-huh. but I heard some doctors can, like, prescribe it, like, maybe as, like, a uh, assistance wow. to ADHD. Wow, that is really yeah. interesting. I forgot the name of it, but I, I know what it is.
0: Wow, you're blowing my mind right now. I've yeah. never, I'd never heard it's of this stuff before. It's such a That's really interesting. Yeah. Wow, I'm now very, my interest yeah. is very, uh, has grown now. Like yeah. I'm very, I'm very uh, curious to see where these, these technologies yeah. go. That's wow. That's really, really cool. I've never heard that. Um, yeah, I think, you know, games and, and uh, yeah, just like unconventional methods, like thinking outside the box, like mm-hmm. who would have thought a game yeah. could help with like ADHD? Um, I think games could be an interesting, an interesting path to take too. unlike like looking at screen time and stuff. Um, literally just in in my um, neuroscience class um, in a, depress- uh, a lecture on depression or a guest speaker on depression and he was talking about basically how there's this huge 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 correlation between like smartphones and depression like it's just depression and, and like suicide and stuff have like skyrocketed as like smartphone use has skyrocketed and I, you know it's like Obviously, you can't prove causation, but it's such a strong correlation that you just suspect that there is some causation, at least some causation, if not, like, direct causation. Um, So that's a whole other thing. It's like, and that gets into medicine, too. It's like, what is the impact that smartphones are having on our health, right? Because there's such a new technology, literally just the past maybe 10, 15 years. And, like, they're so widely adopted, and we just don't know but we kind of do know like the long-term effects that smartphones are having on our health um, and just like connection. I think connection is a huge issue mm-hmm. like today and like loneliness because social media gives a illusion of like being connected or it's like, it's very like superficial mm-hmm. connection, right? So I feel like maybe that also gets into the being in person. When you're in person, you have a better chance of like having a real mm-hmm. connection with someone. Um, like if we're doing this over Zoom, mm-hmm. Of course, that's cool. But like actually being in person and like being able to interact, mm-hmm. I think is very, very valuable, um, and like helps build like a stronger connection than like over Zoom. So I think that's another thing to think about: is like the connection aspect, and like, will this technology, if we adopt VR and stuff, is that just going to make us less and less connected? And the answer is probably it probably will make us less connected. So we'll have to kind of as a society think: is that the route we want to go? Um, as cool as it is is it how is it going to impact our health how is it going to impact our kind of social behavior and you know happiness levels and you know depression anxiety stuff like that um so yeah really really interesting things yeah. to think about i, I personally wow. well i used to use Instagram a lot
1: mm-hmm. but then I, I i decided to delete it once, Nice. and then i deleted it for like maybe three or four months and then i, I became so happy yeah, it's like awesome. for example, it, like you, what you're doing with Instagram is like you're going on your phone to watch the most happiest moments of other people's lives. While you're just doing your own thing. So like that, I don't know why, like people. Well, now I like, install th- it, it again, but yeah, I, I like I think, as, as social media has a lot to do with um emotions, depressions. That, yeah based on my personal experience but but i can't still eat it anymore because i have to like connect with like people since i'm abroad so I, I have to like test friends back in korea back in home
0: yeah so i still need it but i'm not that dependent on it anymore that's good so, yeah i used to be like that like i was never a social media person until pretty much college actually mm-hmm. um and yeah i think i was a lot happier before social media mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's a a really interesting thing to think about, um, you know, all of you listening out there, maybe consider taking a little, you know, this whole thing around like dopamine, um, and like these like little dopamine hits that you get every Mm -hmm. time you're on social media, um, and they're really, really addictive, and like, you know, it's almost, they're almost addictive in like, a like sadistic, like almost like an evil way, like Apple and Instagram and Meta, like they're obviously they're trying to get you to spend the maximum time on their platform mm-hmm. and they'll do whatever they can to keep your attention right. and maybe that's also why we're having higher levels of adhd and stuff is because our attention spans are getting lower and lower and lower yeah, so they're like,
1: actually hiring the most smartest people on the world
0: to make exactly you to the, yeah, yeah like these are the smartest people yeah. they know how to hack your biology yeah. and your psychology yeah. so i think for all of you out there you should really consider Maybe just try a few days off off social media if you can. Um, just take a break and like see how you feel. Like do like a dopamine detox. There's a really cool video on YouTube. I forget what the channel is called, but it's called like dopamine detox. Um, maybe it's something I'll consider doing uh, too. Um, but it could be really interesting to see if we can kind of maybe take a break from social media or just kind of lower our use of it and. Kind of see how that affects our health and our happiness and, and connections um so yeah kind of a a, a a suggestion a suggestion to all of you out there um maybe go ahead and, and and try it um and also of course like think about all the cool uh tech um that eric and i have kind of discussed um, i think the future is really really um bright really really interesting i think there's a lot of really cool applications for whether it's games, whether it's apps, whether it's AI, whether it's VR, AR, um, so many cool and helpful applications um, and diagnostics in therapeutics um, and just making the world a better place. Um, So on that note, this has been a Futurism at JHU episode with Eric, Mm -hmm. and uh, we'll see you on the next one. Bye.